and welcome to Pretty Good Business. Our guest today is Laura Rosso-Vadrecan, founder of peer-to-peer marketplace Kids O'Clock. In this episode, we talk about kids' fashion, the life of a founder, and how to find your work-life balance. Hello, Laura. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Thank you for your time. So you started Kids O'Clock, which is a platform for parents that want to find secondhand clothes for their kids. Not just clothes, quite a few things. So could you tell us more about your business? Yeah, of course. Um, Kids O'Clock is a peer-to-peer marketplace. It's for modern families and child carers um, created to streamline the way parents shop for by providing a circular economy solution around children's clothing. So a simpler way to say this, it's really a marketplace for peer-to-peers and parents can shop and sell um, their kids' closets and game rooms to one another. Yeah, I've seen that you have books, you have all sorts of things. So is there anything specific that you ask when people come to the platform? Is there something that you don't want them to, to list or is it really anything and everything? Well, um, I think the most supply we got from the beginning and, and most naturally was clothes. Uh, the amount of clothing used by a kid is uh, quite interesting in the first years. So really it, it, it's clothes first and then we're very conscious that we want to offer a trustful platform for parents. So um, we don't want to gather pieces that, are, that have too low of a resale value. You know, anything mm-hmm. that is under five or eight pounds, it just doesn't, doesn't make the cut because parents can mm-hmm. buy it someplace there and, you know, eventually get it um, given from other family. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to toys, and baby gear, really open. I think it's very interesting to show that um, depending on the families, on the communities, towns, and countries, there are different ways of using certain items. Um, so we don't, we're not very strict in what we gathered from parents. But you do so have um, kind of like a selection when it comes to clothing, for example. As you said, I guess you don't really have fast fashion for kids on the platform. Yeah, we're trying to limit that. Um, I think you know there is a truth around the fact that parents do have a, they do have access to those items at a very low price, and it's important to not necessarily scrap them completely from the offer, but being mindful that if they are on kids' o'clock, it's because we've we've screened them from is eventually just a branding point of view or just a look and aesthetic you know some items coming from fast fashion brands are actually very cute mm-hmm. yeah and need a, a second a second a third or fourth family to go to mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so you're a buyer and you've been a buyer for a very long time so what pushed you to start the business I think it's it's a really a passion for retail wholesale the whole behavior around shopping that I've always been drawn to it's very interesting but as I was studying to um, become a buyer you there's things that you can learn and some that just come with you know experience and experience exactly and um, and what I've always loved is discovering new ways to forecast um, a brand a trend or just uh, to help customer, consumer, shop a different way. So I, I for instance, I was working at Moda Brandy uh, in New York for a bit. And um, when I was buying there, what I loved about the vision Lauren Santo Domingo, the, the, the founder had, is really how to give access um, to a lot of uh, product by 
you know, featuring a trunk show. And uh, it was for me completely re revolutionary at the time to offer someone a two-step purchase rather than just one. Um, and the reward is obviously much bigger because you've waited a little bit longer. So I think, and this is just one of the experience I've got, you know, being a buyer really taught me to analyze the product uh, in depth. And this is definitely something that I felt confident I had before launching Kids O'Clock. So do you think that your career um, really influenced your decision to start the brand? And is it still influencing you while making you, while you, while you make the decision for the brand? Yeah, absolutely. Every day. I think I would have not gotten probably the, the you know, the insurance that I could do it. And we know as, as founders and entrepreneurs, you just need to have the self-insurance all the time. Sometimes it's hard to keep it alive, but having, having been, having been a buyer for such a long time, really gained that control over the product. And um, I try every day and as much as possible to be re really close to it as much as possible, even if I have to sometimes deal with you know logistics and admin which is less fun uh, but very important and what did you decide to go on the kids fashion route i think it's the size of the market really it's an ever-growing market because our children are ever-growing mm -hmm. you know whether there is a pandemic there is brexit trump or not a, a kid will continue to grow and and a parent will constantly have to get you know, updated clothes for them and to, to follow through their growth. So this really, the market that really pushed me to go to go further and to realize that idea. Also, you know, when I had my, my first kid, I had been shopping a lot secondhand for myself and for our home, and I didn't find a platform that I liked. I couldn't find anywhere a platform that was curated, composed with people of trust, that I felt I wanted to be part of. So I try every day to create that entity. Mm. As, as you said, the, the kids' fashion market is quite a big market and there are quite a lot quite a lot of brands now that operate in it. And still we don't really have anywhere near to the amount of possibilities that we have with female, like women's fashion. When it comes to secondhand, when it comes to shops and to apps and to websites so why do you think that this type of this market has been a kind of overlooked yeah I mean I think we'll get there eventually <laughs> I think it's very interesting but um, there are different factors um, as to why necessarily the kids market had never been explored is because if if you think about it and you want to launch the first peer-to-peer -peer, um, resale platform um, you don't necessarily go tackle directly kids wear because the, the resale mm -hmm. value is, is much lower than if you go in and, and focus on um, luxury goods you know so some very strong brand and platform had done an amazing job um, educating all of us you know adults that this can be done you know shoes and accessory or even ready to wear level um, so you just have to have one expertise market you know and um And I decided on focusing on the kids wear one because I saw the proof of concept being done with other big player. Mm -hmm. Just need a little bit of tweaking and analyzing, but uh, the kids wear market is not as different, you know, in, in the emotion that it provides to purchase newness or secondhand. Yeah. 
Do you think it's also because people tend to um, they don't really want to separate themselves from their kids' clothes sometimes? There is a big component um, of that, but it's going to change because you know all of the gender like Z and millennials and and um, the newest generation they're they're living with Uber and Airbnb and Deliveroo and even Depop now is so big and I think it just shows that they are preferring to invest into quality time mm -hmm. and memories rather than goods services are actually much important for them lifestyle is much more important for them than than goods and owning they're not necessarily owner customer so i think it's shifting and it's shifting because like i said there have been huge player um arriving in different market that just done an incredible educating role mm. so it's just a matter of time yeah let's hope so what was the process like when you started? A few things happened. But the first one was um, it was important for me to, to gather, I think it was 20 families around me that were very different background and different geography and ask them, would you want to partner with me on this? And, um, you know, give me your kids' clothes and see how we can sell, we can sell them in, you know, which amount of time and on which platform. And once I had figure this out which took probably six months i had figured out the, the proof of concept i then did something that i really um, am passionate about is creating the brand for me the brand has been one of the most important part of creating this business because it's just set to the tone to whoever is coming onto the platform to say this is what we believe in this is what we do and this is how we're gonna make you part of it what did you learn during the process of building a brand that is sustainability focused? I think the, the most important um, part of the learning was being cautious of the greenwashing around us. Mm. I'm not necessarily the strongest advocate, you know, and um, and I'm not going to scream out loud if, you know, that I, boo that I buy only bamboo and that I don't buy any plastic because that's not necessarily true. But I think um, we, because of the pandemic and because of all of the marketing around textile industry um we've been kind of given all, so many different expression and tools to make us believe that a brand was doing correctly when they just have a very robust marketing industry behind you know yeah um so this i think was my biggest learning is be be cautious of what you hear and what you've been told and it's okay to ask questions and it's okay not to know um, it's okay to dig a little bit deeper, um, and that would that would go for you know for building a business all the way actually. Just question. And is there since now you you must know all the best brands? Is there a brand that you think is a, a kids brand that is doing particularly well when it comes to sustainability? For me, it's really hard to answer this question because sustainability for me is still very broad. Um, as a concept and I don't masterize um, I don't masterize it as much as I you know would hope um, some brands are doing tremendous effort using you know organic cotton and asking for it to be returned once it's been used but it's a it's a huge logistic and it does imply a lot of cost as well in the travel journey of the clothes you know back and forth from the brand to the customer and then to the factory so I'm not going to be able to give you one 
but I'm thinking of a lot that just um, want to play their part and are do- doing the best they can. I think this is it. I think any journey is not necessarily about being the best, but the best you can is already a huge way. Hmm. And do you think that that's, that's also what we should think when it comes to people? Because during the pandemic, we have talked about sustainability a lot and a lot of people especially when you look at Instagram and a lot of bloggers you kind of feel like you have to do everything perfectly to even just have a have a word in the conversation do you think that that's a problem and do you think that this is changing though yeah I think um I think there's a lot of pressure in honesty that's been given I don't know by who probably by just any community around oneself to really do everything perfectly, but you know, having d- discovering your sustainable lifestyle is like building your own company. If you wait, you know, your product to be 100% perfect, it will never be, and it will never be out, and you will never be able to advocate it. So I am more, I am more a believer that you know, every little change can go a very long way. Mm-hmm. Uh, being mindful is already a strong step and then the rest can come I think it's about being coherent you know and coherent is you know making sure that when you say something you actually do it and the other way around putting your money where your mouth is is the thing that I usually use to describe that because I really think that we can talk the talk a lot but then it's really important where what we buy and you know where we put our power which is our money yeah Especially when you have, you know, when you're a, a parent, it's very difficult to claim that you are only responsible, only sustainable, and you only buy organic. <laughs> like this mm-hmm. is, this is just a utopia. Mm-hmm. But um, being mindful of um, one little um, battle that you've got, you know, whether it's where your food uh, shopping or you know your, your library books and delivery, you know, that's already something there is no small win yeah absolutely so how do you see the future of your company we we were severely impacted by brexit so i think you know it's really interesting because the the european market has grew very quickly and i i really thought that we would be at this stage now that we are in you know in a few in a few months or even a year. Obviously, the pandemic also, you know, changed our plan a bit. But we're really hoping to launch um, rentals mm-hmm. um, and that would mean for parents to be able to rent um, bottle warmer or yeah, for for an amount of time, a car seat exactly. But obviously, this is very difficult to set up. You know, while we're we told that we can't meet anyone from any other household <laughs> for the next month. <laughs> So um, this has, you know, put our plan on pause for a bit. Um, we are also partnering with very um, with two um, charities that are very close to my heart. And, uh, you know, the pandemic has really shown that there is much more than, than just um, individuals. There are community that you can enter and just help. So this is what the, the Kids of Club members have been able to do. They're just... Uh, shouted and uh, you know said listen I have all of these items to sell but I also have this part that I would love to give out to this charity so this is something that I want to continue doing and pushing because we're lucky Mm. and we should you know remind ourselves 
every day. And then the last thing is really continue to partner with brands and, and show them that we're not necessarily the black sheep, but we actually work with them mm. on making sure that all of the items that have been bought, you know, on their website or on their store can be resent to them or to different families and then um, make sure that the circular movement is a little bit more circular than mm. it currently is. So you, it's interesting that you talked about Brexit because I asked this question every single week but I kind of feel like nobody really knows what's going on until now um probably now people have to are starting to realize that this is happening and something is happening because whenever I get something from the UK I have to pay for um you know import taxes which the first time was a shock so how how is Brexit impacting you because I've seen that looking at your website I've seen that quite a few people are yeah based in 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 Europe so how how is it gonna work you think I think uh, we're developing this uh, tool for parents to know where they're buying the item from Mm -hmm. on the country level we we have uh, more than seven countries um trading every day Mm -hmm. on the website Europe is definitely bigger than the UK and you know alone and that's unfortunate for the for the UK resident because um, I think the smartest way for them to shop will be to shop from the UK wardrobes mm-hmm. existing wardrobes on the website or to just bundle uh, a strong a strong purchase and have it sent to the UK you know I think uh, I think it, it goes with being responsible like how many packages do you really want to be sent to your home when you can just have one it's, it's I mean I guess it's going to be a learning curve and the next month's and see how it goes. Yeah, I think it'll be a learning curve for the, our political leaders, and <laughs> then it will be for us. I'm not sure they're going to learn anything. I'm going to be honest, <laughs> but we will. <laughs> the hard way. Yeah. yeah. So, is there an achievement or a project that you that you have done until now and that you're very proud of? Hmm, that's really that's a really cheeky question because it's, <laughs> you never really are proud about your project, and you're actually quite. I mean. I don't know. I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I've all I always have this sense of um, uh, imposter, you mm. know, when I talk about kids' club because it's something that has been done for for a very long time. It's just no one has done it digitally. But in a way, even if I feel um, kind of weird about you know talking about it and 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 being happy about it, I'm also very proud because I started this company you know, when I was still working um, as a site project and I never knew it would get this big. And and I think I the, the most important part of it is realizing how re- resilient actually I, I have been and I still am. And uh, this is, I think, my pride. Mm. That's a very good answer, actually. Yeah, you can be proud of yourself. Just for that. How the website is treating each customer, not proud. <laughs> um, but how resilient I am to make it work. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And so now are you full-time on Kids O'Clock? Yeah, I'm full-time. It's, I've been full-time for a few months. And um, it's it's really um, it's it's really fun. I, there's so much learning every single day. There's not enough uh, hours in, in one day to mm-hmm. make it all count. It's just a matter of prioritizing. How does it feel to compared to you you know when you used to go to to work and it wasn't your 
you know, you was in your own business. How, what's the difference in the feeling when you get up and you're like, okay, I'm going to get to work. You know, funny enough, I've always been so passionate about buying. And I remember like when it was fashion month and fashion week and I had to travel and back and forth and we were analyzing the number. I've always been so into it that for me, it hasn't really changed. Um, that excitement to um, go to work is the same. Let's say that the pressure is definitely bigger mm. when it's your own business because um, whether you have goals and objectives that you set yourself or that you have, you know, to express to someone. And also, like, team management is not something... I've always enjoyed doing it because I didn't have to set the tone necessarily. Mm-hmm. And now, basically, the team is going to be how how you want them to be, you know, with the energy that you give. Yeah, that's a big responsibility because... It is huge, especially right now where, you know, mental health is such a important part of everyone's life, mm-hmm. you know. have to be cautious. Absolutely. Now that it is your full-time job, how do you get uh, inspired and how do you find new ideas? It's a very good question because sometimes you get into a rabbit hole and you forget that there is other things mm-hmm. <laughs> than just your own, your own little business. Um, I think uh, what's really important for me is being able to do um, breaks. And by breaks, I mean not necessarily leaving the screen, but looking at something completely different and closing all of the open windows and say, okay, now I want to see what's happening in this industry, you know, in the food industry, in the makeup industry, and and really get um, to the bottom of um, some topic that you don't necessarily control or know very well. Um, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and, and this really, I was telling, I was saying to one of my friends this weekend that it actually gives me the impression that I'm meeting people mm. when I hear them talking about for two hours about their, you know, passion or, or project, because this is, um, especially as a founder, but especially during, during this pandemic time, it's very difficult to just be feeling so remote from outsider energy. You know? Yeah, and because you can't really meet your friends as you would, is also yeah. you know, and it kind of like feels that the conversation is always around COVID and the same things. So uh, even when you do meet your friends, it's actually not that relaxing because you keep on <laughs> kind of going around yeah. in a circle. That's true, and you have to always have um, you know, uh, open ear for what they're going through because this is what friendship is about. Sometimes you're like. Okay, Grab that. Let's talk about something funny. And but everybody's watching the same movies yeah. and the same you know, TV shows at the moment. So. <laughs> it's like we have all the same lives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is there an advice that you would give a business owner or someone who wants to start a business but they're kind of scared? about you know taking the first step um is there anything you wish you knew when you started I think I'm discovering everything as I go so wishing I knew something earlier will probably put have less excitement into the discovery so I think it the biggest advice is really like um surround yourself by people who are gonna you know push you to to reach your next level you and and appreciate every single feedback there's no wrong feedback even if they're not giving the way you would uh, you wish to receive them, a feedback can get really a long way. So connect with everyone. I tend to email every single person that comes to the website, which um, can sound a little bit, you know, freaky in a way. But um, I actually love when I get an answer, even if it's 
to tell me, listen, this happened and I'm frustrated because I was not able to do this or that. Mm. I think feed, I think receiving feedback is is the most important advice I would give. And and then the second one is um try to do a clear a clear breakdown between office and and work time and home time because you're gonna get you're gonna get consumed by this, you're gonna breathe and live, but not necessarily your, you know, partner, kids parents will want to breathe and hear kids close market mm. all all day long all weekend long mm-hmm. so yeah and did you find it very difficult to find a spot in the house where you can be really concentrated it has been inc- incredibly difficult especially because we have a toddler mm. so who who has a toddler knows that you can't <laughs> You basically can't do nothing, mm. but uh, we've managed to um, organize ourselves with my husband and, and take breaks. It's all about de- developing new skills. And my, how? Yeah, there is nothing that's being given to you you can't really manage. Mm. So this is how we've been thinking. Yeah, <laughs> twenty so far. That's a good. Uh, that's a good way of thinking. Um, yeah. Is there a mistake that you've made and uh, taught you something that was important about your business yeah so many actually so many and every day I'm still paying the price for some mistakes I think it probably it probably is under the same roof as you know walk before you run Mm -hmm. and don't look at others there was there always going to be someone that do that does what you thought of doing or that you know it's going to put you down because you think they're doing better than you are but just stay focused on what Um, your goals and objectives are because this is what's going to take you further watching people is just going to put you outside of the road Mm -hmm. absolutely great thank you so much for this it was super interesting can you tell us where we can find kids o'clock so website instagram yeah you can actually log on at kidsoclock.co.uk and we ship everywhere um most importantly in europe and a bit in the u.s You can sell your clothes as well from wherever you are. You can find ourselves as well on Instagram. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, great question. And I really liked, really enjoyed responding to oh, that. Oh, thank thanks. you. That was our interview with Laura. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to Laura for her time. If you like this episode, please rate us and subscribe. It really helps. You can visit our website and follow us on Instagram at prettyslow.life and prettyslowlife on all of the platforms. Thank you and goodbye.